Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbard on the road today we have temporarily relocated the element wealth studios up here to starkville mississippi for the greater starkville development partnership we're here highlighting economic activity and so forth in the starkville golden triangle area morning rhino howdy howdy good day sir what's today it's friday y'all all right, just checking. <laughs> Joining us now right here on the set is Joe Max Higgins, the CEO of the Golden Triangle Development Link. Joe Max, been a little busy lately, hadn't you? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> all right. First of all, congratulations, sir, on this huge win for the Golden Triangle area, your organization, the people uh, of the community in the great state of Mississippi. It truly was, I think, a team effort was. Uh, to uh, reel this big fish uh, into the boat here. Tell us about uh, the project, and tell us how long you've been working on this and uh, kind of the ups and downs, as is usually the case when you're working on something of this magnitude. Well, you're right. And and, and we started we started fielding questions uh, about last December, so people forget how long these things take. We started, you know, how many acres do you have over there? Do you have a rail surf site? Just, just questions. And we'd submit them, submit them, submit them. Probably six months ago, it started really getting ramped up. And probably four months ago, it was all, all out. And it's been totally all-consuming. That's about the only thing we've worked on. Um, one of our attorneys said the other day, and some other people have been working on the project, said now it's time to go on the apology tour to their <laughs> other clients, you know, uh-huh. and tell them I'm sorry and uh you know, yep. I, I, I've been working on this big project because their work's not been getting done, and we're yeah. the same way. So we're we're starting Monday morning trying to catch up on some of our deals that we just left hanging. Well, it's it's uh it's a win lose capitalistic world, mm-hmm. and you've been on the lose side of it as well. Oh, yeah. We all have. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but you know, you pick yourself up and keep on going and put your best foot forward. Clearly, that's what you did here. So. Uh, tell us about the company, what they're going to be doing, uh, how many jobs they're going to create, et cetera. Yeah, so it, it's still Dynamics, which is already here. Yeah. And, and if for everybody out there listening, if there's a lesson to be learned in all this, is take care of your existing companies. No doubt. Uh, now, they didn't just say we're going to build here. They they looked at, you know, they looked at Kentucky. They looked at Tennessee. They looked at Alabama. They looked at Louisiana. And then they looked at Texas, and they looked at other sites in Mississippi. 
So the site was literally a southeast uh, conference, if you will, uh, uh, site search. But hmm. I think the fact that that they did have a facility here, had a working operation here, knew us, knew knew, knew the state government, knew, knew knew folks, I think helped us. <clears throat> but I think the fact that we had the shovel ready site ready to go, yeah, probably vaulted us ahead because speed to market i mean every day they're not running they're losing money right and so they've got you know they're going to take up about 2500 acres in three different spots the biggest one's about 22 and one Hmm. that's that's where the aluminum mill will go Mm -hmm. uh they're going to have a biochar plant uh, that's going to take waste wood products and make almost a a torrified or or like a rabbit it looks like rabbit food uh uh it's, it's it's charcoal Hmm. And they're going to – right now they use a lot of coal in the steel producing process. That coal is going to be replaced by that renewable, sustainable okay. uh, wood product. Uh, there's a, a future project that's referred to in the uh, agreement. It's on a 200-acre site. And then the aluminum mill is 2,200 acres, uh, and we expect up to eight customers, not not vendors, not suppliers, not support companies, but eight companies that will locate with them to use their product. Okay. We're, we're being told that – Three of those companies should break ground at the exact same time the mill does and be finished when the mill is finished, and that two of them will probably break ground after the mill starts but be finished when the mill is complete. Take advantage of the zero freight, rolling the sheets right over, making it into a can for beverages, making it into an automobile, making it into furniture and other things that aluminum is used for. Okay. I mean, so it's just classic integrated supply chain manufacturing at the end of the day. And you know the. Uh, I, I know you're aware of this. The Japanese have had an advantage on this and figured this out decades ago. Uh, instead of shipping stuff across the country because of the, the broad size of the U.S.'s landscape, which was an issue, we started figuring out, you know, if these things are located close to each other, we can cut down on a lot of uh, costs and implement just-in-time and all the other benefits of just being down the street. Correct. And that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, and, and when the steel mill came, they were on a 1,400-acre site, but you've got a new $108 million tube mill being built. You've got Mississippi Steel Processing, New Process Steel. All these people that process their steels are located on site with them. Uh, when they built, when SDI built their new plant in Texas, they asked for a bigger campus. And okay. they, that, that mill's just a few years old, and they've already filled that campus up. So awesome. now they're going into this arena. They're, they're following their same model. Wow, that is awesome. So uh, you said you started talking to these folks about this about a year ago. You obviously did a very good job of, of uh, keeping the lid on it and keeping it concealed, which is important. It is. Uh, when you're working on these deals, and sometimes that can kill the deal if that gets out. Correct. Um, so, uh, and you said you talked about how they looked at, at other states, which is always an issue, and, and that's where you're just in. It's just raw competition. Uh, a lot of times, but taking care of them, that company, that's pretty instrumental this way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know that we've ever, always done everything right and that they're 100% satisfied with us every day. Yeah. But I think all in all, uh, uh, I can tell you this. When we have other companies that come to town that look to come here, I walk in and introduce them to the general manager and shut the door and let them sit in there for yeah. thirty minutes an hour talk by themselves. If if you don't have that aftercare and take care of your existing people, you're giving them a sharp knife just to cut your throat. Yeah, I mean, so what uh, the end users of your product say, right? The customers in this case, uh, they're they're used as a reference. 
uh, is more meaningful and impactful than any sales job you could <laughs> put on uh, those prospects. All right, so uh, the governor, when did you have to tell him, or was it you that informed him or his staff, hey, we need to get together because this is kind of the package we're looking at to make this deal happen? So, so the day that we broke ground on that $108 million tube mill, uh, um, governor came and was our keynote speaker at the groundbreaking. Yep. And he flew in, and I said, sir, if it's possible, I want to meet with you for a few minutes and make you aware of a project. Okay. So the general manager of the steel mill and I uh, went over to the fixed-based operator, and we went in a room, and, and we walked over the three projects. And I said, we can get one, two, or all three of these. That'd be a long stretch. Yeah. But I think we can do it. And we started talking about strategy, about how we would do it and all that. So that day, um, Governor Reeves got engaged. And, I mean, probably just about every day we communicated something back and forth. And uh, um, But he got involved in that that day. Uh, he said, I'm here, I'm in it. And Speaker, when he was brought in and the, and the Lieutenant Governor, they said the same thing. And those four committee chairmen said, okay. And uh, I don't think we could have done it without any of them. But, but that's, we had that first meeting in a little bitty room at the, at the GTRA airport. So good to see uh, our leaders at that level working together to accomplish something good for the state of Mississippi. All right, so uh, we got a couple of minutes left here. Can you hang around yep. uh, through the break for yep. the next segment? Yep. I, I want to really dig into the incentive package and, and who architected that and how you came came up with that. Uh, but first, tell us when you're going to be breaking ground here. Well, uh, the the biochar plant has already done their soil borings, already done their surveys. They have right of early entry from the industrial authority. I think they'll, they'll I think they'll start. Here within 30, 45 days, okay. I guess. <clears throat> the other one, air permits, uh, final layouts and all that, uh, we speculated probably March, April of next year for breaking ground. Okay. Uh, but that's not saying there's not a lot of work that's got to be done between now and yeah. then. Uh, Joe Max, is is this uh, particularly the, the aluminum production facility, is this relocating an existing facility or is it just brand new? Brand new. Okay. There's just not enough aluminum. Okay. There's just not <clears throat> not enough aluminum. There's a there's a, a heck of a market here. Uh, Robert Clark here in Starkville on C.C. Clark, a big Coca-Cola distributing deal. Yep. Uh, going back to even COVID, I, I serve on some boards, and Robert's now on my executive committee, and he said there's been a can shortage, I think he said before COVID. Wow. And and it, we're importing cans from foreign countries. Wow. Now think, think about the logistics and the economics yeah, of that's crazy. A can with air in it, putting on an airplane or a boat and bringing it over here. So these guys, one of the products we're going to make is sheet aluminum for cans. Okay. Beer, sodas, whatever, and roll them out. And that's what these customers that are going to be coming in, you should look for those to be the kind of customers that would make cans. Sure. Okay. Well, that may draw some more manufacturers here that manufacture the products that they put in those cans. Well, that's, that's in the count. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, so... I bet that's going to end up being bigger than you think it is. You've got to be conservative and sandbag a little bit. Once you make the can, you want to put something in it. (laughs) we got Joe Max Higgins. He's the CEO of the Golden Triangle Development Link. We're stepping aside for a break right here. We're at the uh, Greater Starkville Development Partnership in Starkville, Mississippi, the Element Well Studios. Coming right back. Stay with us.
That keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. I'm moving to the country. Gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country. I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. In the Element Well Studios up here in Starkville, Mississippi. Beautiful day. Greater Starkville Development Partnership. Enjoyed the drive up from central Mississippi today. Always enjoy getting out and enjoying the uh, the landscape of the great state of Mississippi. And it's an easy, convenient uh, drive heading up here. Glad to be here. So we've got Joe Max Higgins, CEO of the Golden Triangle Development Link, talking about this big project Coming to Columbus. All right, uh, Joe Max, the incentive package um, was substantial. And this looks to me like that you guys may have employed uh, MDA's Inflex program here. Is that true or not? Yeah, uh, Inflex will be involved, but there is also just just the uh, typical MMEIA okay. money. Okay. okay. Um, you know, the state's got all in with credits and everything, uh, about a quarter of a, a, a billion dollars, $247 million, I think. Yep. Uh, about $155 million of that is in cash. Yeah, explain that. So well, that's the first thing that caught my attention. Yeah. There's, a, there's a grant, essentially, yeah. which typically means there are no strings attached. It's not repaid. It's just... Oh, it, it'll be in the clawbacks, but but what they're doing is they're going to they're, they're gonna have a series of tranches that they're going to provide cash to the company okay. in uh, uh, as they meet milestones, okay? okay? First one's about $81 million, okay? And, the, and, and $25 million of that is for public roads. So uh, that will come. That 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 will be of the of the eighty one million dollars. About twenty five is MDA or the state share of, of building three roads: Charlie Ford, Artesia Road, and Manufacturers Driveway. Okay. Uh, the rest will go to the company <clears throat> to, to 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 do costs that they have. Uh, part of that will be spent to acquire a portion of the property that we have under option that we don't own. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've got a uh, uh, about twelve hundred. Sixteen hundred acres or so in that aluminum mill that we own, we've got options on the balance. Okay. So they'll, and they'll, by we, you're talking about the link. The link. Yeah. The link. Yeah. Not not the industrial authority, right. not the county, but the link has has options on that property, and we will assign those to the company, and they'll acquire them. So, okay. Uh, not the not all of it, but a lot of the money is going to be spent on site acquisition and road, public road improvements, and then as they start going vertical, they'll get they'll get more funds. I got you. All right. So then you've also got some fees in lieu as well. Explain yeah. that to yeah. our audience. Well, it's 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 a fee and lieu, obviously over sixty million dollars is a fee and lieu project. So yep. this 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 qualifies. So uh the the county and the uh uh board of supervisors agreed to do a fee and lieu in small writing, I can't already say it. Um on average, uh the county's gonna get about three point four million dollars in fee and lieu and the schools are gonna get four point two. Okay. That's for the first ten years. Uh in year eleven I got it up on here, it's probably easier. Uh in year eleven, uh when the fee and lieu goes off uh, the county shares about six point six million a year, and the schools is almost eight million a year. Okay, so explain to our audience, Joe Max, if you will, the in lieu, what that exactly means. Okay. Yeah. So, so these big projects can qualify for an, a fee in lieu of tax for ten years. Property tax, property taxes, yep. and they and, and they pay one third of school. Uh, it, it has to be a minimum of one third. Can't be more. Gotcha. Uh, it's not in this case, but it, but but one third of the school tax and one third of the county tax. So they're paying county taxes and they're paying school taxes to the tune of three or four million. 
million dollars. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, to each each entity for that first ten years. After right. that, that that all that property then they pay, pay the full boat property tax. Full, full boat, whatever the supervisors right. in the schools. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, and this and the fee and lose been around a long time. So, it's a very common economic development incentive tool. Yeah, we, uh, I've been here almost twenty. I've been here twenty years in June. It was in place when I got here a few years ago. One hundred million dollars was the threshold. A few yeah. years ago, uh, a group of us went to the legislature and said, "Hey, can we take that down?" And they took it to sixty. So, anybody that invests sixty million dollars or more qualifies. I got you. And this is something that has to be approved. By the, by the supervisors yes, as well, sir. right, of yes. the county. No, no, it's just the supervisor. Okay, but the, well, but the state has some government. Yeah, they've got to yeah, stamp it. Right, they've right, got right. to stamp it, but it's 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 the supervisors yeah. that you got to convince. Because that's their revenue. That's right. Yeah, that's how they operate. That's yeah. right. Okay. And then you've also got a payroll tax rebate as well in the package, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Explain that. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> they'll, they'll just get a rebate of, of, of a portion of the taxes that they pay. The they'll, individuals that, that they, work for them pay. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, uh, uh, the, if you work there, a portion of what you pay, they'll get, they'll get back. The company gets back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and the idea there is you're creating jobs, which is producing income tax. Correct. Because of the salaries and the compensation. And so you're just rebating some of that back to the company for a while for, for that. And then the governor, I think, even talked about, well, we may totally get rid of the income tax here during that 15 year period of time. And, he, and there's, there's provision for there's, that. There's right? provisions to make. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of the companies around Mississippi's concerned when you talk about removing the income tax. Some of them got this, this, this incentive. And if the funds are not there to pay the incentives there has to be a, a plan put in place and, yeah and i think when speaker gunn uh revised his plan uh, last time he took that into account and took care of that yeah. so so they can do it and look these are ninety three thousand is the stated number so these are there's a substantial amount of tax that's going to be paid on these. yeah high, high paying jobs and then you got to consider also uh i think joe max is that uh with that kind of pay these folks are going to have more than the usual amount of disposable income. They're going to spend their money in the community. That's going to generate lots of sales taxes. That gets split between the municipalities and the state. So that's all right. built into the return on investment analysis. Yeah, yeah, because, and I haven't seen the model. Uh, uh, all I got was uh, IHL has to run a model on these major impact authorities, and they said it came back extremely positive. Yeah. I think the governor alluded to that in, in some of his uh, 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 statements to the to the media. But uh, And there's been some spec, you know, there's been some skepticism about well, they're really not going to pay this. The, the the naysayers, the steel mill, that same company across the airport from them, pays one hundred and seventeen. Last year, paid one hundred seventeen thousand dollars average. Okay. Okay. So the and that doesn't include the stock that they give the people and the cash they give you to pay the taxes on the stock. So that's that. I had an accountant one year call me. He said, "You know, you keep talking about these high paying jobs out here." I said, "Well, they are." And he said, "No, I'm. I've got a girl that I'm doing her taxes. I've got her. I've got her information here. Mm-hmm. She's in transportation logistics, and she's got a W two for one hundred nine thousand dollars." Right. And, and that's actually common in that industry. It is, yeah. and, and, and somebody and on all the blogs, well, they pay for fourteen, fifteen dollars an hour. They do, right? But they pay bonuses weekly based on performance, based on quality tons produced safely. Yeah. yeah. And if you and when, when you walk around, and the aluminum mill won't be any different, I'm sure. When you walk around and you see the score clock up there, I don't know what it means, but everybody that works there knows they're either ahead or behind. Yeah. And it's and and it's in your best interest for the push pull line to be doing very well because it affects your your you know you say I don't worry about those guys. Well, you better worry about them. It's a highly structured form of profit sharing. At the end of the day. 
uh, that's based on all these metrics and these metrics the company has uh, established that that it knows if if they're achieving those metrics that means they're they're very profitable and yes. so they're just giving some of that back yes. to incentivize their people to hit those targets and, and 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 you can't say enough about them they're they're so community oriented you know they gave our ymca needed a new pool they gave them money to build a new pool they're involved in the schools they've got scholarship programs for your kids that if your mom and daddy worked there uh if you want to go back and get a master's degree or a degree when you're working there they're paying for that they're just uh they're just a poster child for a good, good good corporate citizen that's awesome all right so what does this do you got 2500 acres being consumed by this what does this do to your to your land for future economic development I, projects? I, I, we are in effect in Lowndes county out of land uh, I know a lot of folks up Good there. Good problem, cheer, bad cheer. problem sort yeah. of deal, right? We've got about uh, between four or 500 here in Starkville, and we've got a likely sum or a likely amount in West Point and fixing to add to that portfolio probably in the next year. Uh, but uh, we've got to get this thing staffed up and built, but we've already had meetings on where the next mega site is. Okay. Talk uh, to supervisors about that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, we've got plan <laughs> A, plan B, and plan C. Well, but you've proven that you can perform. Well, I mean, they, they gave you the resources to perform. You did it, and so? Well, we've did we've done four mega sites, a two billion dollar steel mill, not counting their their other people that are with them, probably closer to two point five billion yeah. on the first mega site, yeah. about yeah. almost nine hundred million in pack car on the second mega site, uh, uh, Yokohama at three fifty low count, but they're about twice they're, they're about nine hundred employees at that mega site, yeah. and now this one four mega you know people say well you know. And then not everybody can do a mega site, but if you do them and you do them right, it works. And and this one was particularly the, the neat thing about this is the board of supervisors took their profits that they made on these other mega sites in Lowndes and plowed them into yeah. yeah. So so you hear about overnight sensations. This site that we own that makes up the lion's share of this, we bought that site in 2013. Wow. We installed water and sewer to the site in 2011. <laughs> Okay, so this overnight sensation deal, uh, yeah, we, we've set on it. We've had a shovel-ready site certified certified by TVA. There's only nine certified mega sites. Hmm. We got four mega sites in the Golden Triangle. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, well, we've seen the the uh, the success with that. Uh, in my neck of the woods down in Madison, as you well know, with jo- uh, with Joey. Jo- Joey worked for us. Joey saw it. He and, understands and, and, it. And he knows it works. Well, supervisors, the board bought into that, and it, I think we got a lot of good stuff going there. So it's it's all good for the great state of Mississippi. Congratulations. Thank you, Fantastic. Sir. I want to pass on my good friend, Representative Fred Shank, said, you the man. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. I just want to, want to pass that on. Joe Max, I'm sure we'll be talking more. Uh, good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Joe Max Higgins, CEO of Golden Triangle Development Link, has been our guest on Middays. We're at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership when we return. We've got, uh, let's see, Rob Robertson, member of the Mississippi House of Representatives, District 43, Octibaha and Winston Counties. We're coming right back. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from Starkville, Mississippi. We're at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. 
enjoying this beautiful weather. I think a re- little rain's supposed to move through Mississippi, right, Rhino? Later on tonight into tomorrow. Morning. Yeah, it depends right? on where you are in the Magnolia State as to when it's going to start. But it looks like the vast majority of Mississippians are going to be a little soggy tomorrow. Okay, got you. And then the big game here, Starkville tomorrow night. But it's uh, six six thirty kickoff, I believe, and hopefully that rain is out of here by then we've got rob robertson a member of the mississippi house of representatives uh, rob represents a district 43 which includes octibaha and winston counties rob thanks for coming on thank you for having me yeah it's uh it's a big day uh certainly for the golden triangle and uh you have the uh, distinction of following the legendary joe max there <laughs> how did i get that how did i imagine coming behind the man that, that made this program and this project happen and and then follow that his energy is infectious it is it, it is listen listen I, one of the things that the speaker and the governor had said that the mississippi's open uh for business the golden triangle is open for business no doubt about it no doubt about it all right so uh, it, it kind of hit us a little bit uh, upside the head when we learned that the governor uh, let it out on social media. Hey, we got a big project coming to the state, and we're probably going to have to convene the legislature to uh, discuss the incentive package and, and other matters that needed to be cleaned up by the legislature to make this thing happen. So you guys had to head down to Jackson uh, this past week. But you were only there a couple of days. It didn't take very long, which is good. That's that's exactly right. We were discussing it. This thing moved so smoothly. Um, I was actually in Orlando whenever the announcement was made and had to, to fly back. Okay. And, and it didn't interrupt the, the, the family trip that I had planned. But we had uh, whenever I, I caught wind of that we were actually going to have a special session about this, I was really excited. Yeah. Um, getting on an airplane, getting ready to come back to Starville, knowing that this was, was, was fixing to happen. And Golden Triangle was fixing to absolutely blow up with economic development. I'm telling you, that's a pretty exciting thing to do and to fly back to GTR. Well, you make a great point there, Rob, because sometimes these special sessions aren't, aren't quite as fun. Um, the the no, subject matter is not, not uh, quite as positive, but this one was. You're exactly right. I was involved with uh, tort reform a few years back, and I think we were there an almost an entire year uh, dealing with tort reform during a special session. Yeah. And um, I can tell you this one was a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, were you a little surprised, or maybe not, that we had uh, almost instant congruence and alignment between the two chambers? I, you know, I, I wasn't really shocked. When, when when we talk about Mississippi being open for business, that really is true. I mean, uh, the House and the Senate, uh, the, the 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 Democrats, the Republicans, we're all after the same thing. We're all after growing our economy and doing something uh, that helps the people in our community. And um, I, I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by good people, whether it be uh, Shaq Taylor or uh, Bart Williams or whomever. All, we all come together, and it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican when it comes to, to economic development now we have things that we disagree about and you know that's okay but when it comes to economic development and when it comes to what's going to happen in Starville or columbus or west point we come together and we're pretty solid solid when it comes to to making certain that 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 that's something that's good happens for our people do you feel like rob uh i mean this obviously this incentive package goes to uh, for the most part, the Golden Triangle, but um, if you think more clearly and, and open-minded about economic activity, it really impacts positively the entire state. 100%. 100%. Uh, and, I, and I hope that folks in the legislature got that. It sounds like they did, based on the short amount of deliberations and, uh, and the vote. 
but was there any kind of feedback from maybe folks in other areas of the state that said, hey, wait, what about us? Where, where do we get our – did that come up at all? A little of that comes up, but, but you, you, you've got to look at it from their standpoint that, that, that they're wanting good things to happen in their community. Now, the truth is, and I'm a firm believer that whenever the, the water rises, the whole boat goes up. And, and floats above the water. And from an economic development standpoint, Mississippi is a boat that whenever you float the water and economic money coming in, it's going to help the whole state. Um, the, the communities that are out there that are, are waiting for a large project, uh, my advice to them is, Wait, hold on, hold on tight, because this stuff is happening, yeah. and whatever happens here is going to affect those areas. No doubt about it. It, it is always a springboard for future and additional projects that could land anywhere based on the needs. Absolutely. Uh, in this particular situation, this project, uh, what made mo- the most business sense to the suitor here was the Golden Triangle for a variety of reasons. One, they already had a presence here, but there was lots of other factors that figured into that as, as well. There, absolutely. We, we've been working on this 15 or 20 years to have a project like this culminate and actually occur. There have been rumors after rumors after rumors of something coming, yeah. and this one actually happened, and and we were able to pull the trigger on it. And I just think, I thank goodness, I thank, I thank the good Lord for, for allowing us the opportunity to to get this site. One, this is the largest uh, economic development in the state of Mississippi. You, you, you really have to have a big yeah. smile on your face when you say when Two you and a half billion dollar capital investment, and the, and the governor certainly touted that as well he should, because it is a major investment, two and a half billion dollars in one project. And then you look at the, at the pay, uh, some thousand jobs with an average of $97,000. Uh, the household income, the median household income, state of Mississippi, is down around forty-five thousand dollars nationwide. It's about sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars. So we're above the nationwide median household average in terms of the jobs being established and, and uh, produced uh, at this particular facility. We need more of these. Is what we need. need need many more of these, and and to double, we are almost doubling what the average income was in this one project. Incredible! It's it's amazing to me, and, and and I'm so excited for the people that are going to be able to work there. I'm I'm so excited about the the families that are going to be able to to have the income, but but also the the, the side track to this is they're going to have insurance. This company pays for uh, pays to help uh, send their children children mm-hmm. to college. Mm-hmm. Amazing! I mean, it's an amazing uh, concept that these this this industry is coming in here and they're treating their people like family. Yeah. And it uh, and that works. We know that formula works. Uh, I, I was just at a family business symposium in Oxford yesterday, uh, meeting with a number of really iconic Mississippi businesses, and that was a common theme. When you when you treat your people right, the company does well, uh, and it's so competitive for people nowadays. If you don't do it, the market will punish you. Honestly, you can't just hold your line and say, "Well, no, we're not going to accommodate." You do. You don't get any people, which is a good thing. So it's. It's it's good for employees and employers have to hit the hip, you know, and just uh, make sure they're taken care. Um, what about uh, the future of the Golden Triangle area? How you think this may impact that? I, I think this is going to be a shot in the arm. I think that it's going to be a shot in the arm. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to lose what makes Starkville Starkville, obviously, sure. and, or Columbus Columbus, or West Point West Point. But I do believe that that the population is going to grow. Um, the, the state of Mississippi. Now we were lucky enough to have an, a growth in population here in our community. However, I would love to see this be 
10, 15, 20 percent, uh, the state of Mississippi as a whole has had a, a, a reduction in population. And the bottom line is, is that we need to bring people here. We need to attract people right. from, from other places to right. be able to live here. Because we got to, we, look, Starville's a, a secret weapon for, for Mississippi. Yep. I love this town. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and we got so many great communities ac- across the state. I think sometimes I feel like we just got to do a little better job of telling the story because once people see it and they and they witness it firsthand, they're sold on it. They get it, uh, and the more we do that, I think the more success we're going to have in attracting uh, really good businesses like this. Uh, the other thing I think we got to keep in mind is that when folks are making uh, this kind of pay. Uh, in living in a state such as Mississippi where the cost of living is relatively low, that's an overall boost to the entire economy. So uh, the other businesses in the area, uh, they benefit from the fact that you've got an, uh, an operation like this that's going to have a 1,000 employees with this kind of income. Because they're going to spend their money in the community. We all benefit from that. Absolutely. When you turn that money over and over again in your economy, you, you can't help. But, but benefit every small business, frankly, every large business that comes to this community. Um, Mississippi, we haven't done a great job of touting how great our people are, but I'm going to tell you something. We, we've got the best people in the nation as far as I'm concerned. I tell you, when they come here and they meet them and they see them, they're sold. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it happen in economic development. I saw it happen when I was running my business, bringing investors in from out of the out of, out of state, and they come in and say, "Well, we had no idea." And that's you want to get to the point where we don't hear that anymore. That it becomes just commonly known. This is really a good place to live, to worship, to to work, to raise your family, and it's a dang good place as a result of that to set up shop. And I think more and more businesses are starting to get that. So. I hope that all of our elected leaders, Rob, are on that same page. You said it at the top of the interview. We want Mississippi to be the best place in the country to do business. The governor made that clear when he was running. I hope everybody's on board with that. You feel like that's the case? I, I really do. I, I can't. I mean, I don't. I really, really don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or anything like, or independent for that matter. Uh, you're black, white, pink, or purple. The bottom line is, we are open for business and and welcome welcome to Starkville if you're coming here. Sure. Well, Rob, uh, congratulations. Great work by all involved. We look forward to this project uh, getting off the ground and producing economic benefit for the state of Mississippi. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. You got it. Rob Robertson, he's the uh, member of the House of Representatives for District 43, which includes Octibaha and Winston counties. We're going to step aside for a break on middays. We're at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. We're coming right back. So good. So good. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in Starkville, Mississippi at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. Really appreciate 
Joe Max Higgins, uh, CEO of the Golden Triangle Development Link, and Rob Robertson, a member of the House of Representatives who represents this area, coming on the program to talk about this big old economic development project that is coming to the Golden Triangle. Very exciting times for the state of Mississippi. So the votes cast in the Senate and the House, unanimous approval in the Senate with the exception of one present vote. And that was from Kathy Chisholm, Republican from New Albany. She voted present. And then in the House, there were five no votes for the 122-member House. And I don't know exactly uh, the individuals that voted no, but they uh, oppose, quote, corporate welfare. And so they they voted against the incentive package. I believe it was members, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of the Freedom Caucus. I, I haven't looked at the, uh, at the role. Rhino, I don't know if you have or not. I, I do know... Um, that Representative Criswell from DeSoto County was was uh, actively distributing emails showing his opposition for it. So I suspect it uh, he was a no vote. But again, I haven't checked the roll, folks. I apologize for that. I hadn't had time to dig into it. You know anything about it, Rhino? At this point, you looked at it. I have not. But I believe that's uh, that's the case. So. Chris from Oxford said, Lord, I guess DeSoto County, which is where Representative Criswell's from, and usually it's Representative Steve Hopkins votes in alignment with him as well. And then I'm not sure Dan Eubanks, all three of those represent DeSoto County. They typically uh, vote alike on such matters. Um, and, and Chris from Oxford says on the ceasefire text slide, Lord, I guess DeSoto County was jealous they didn't get it. And I don't really think that's the case whatsoever. Uh, Chris, they, I think they, they've stated their position uh, clearly that they just oppose uh, public money being used as an incentive to the private sector. And this is, this is a really tough one uh, for me as a conservative as well. And I think it really comes down to the return on investment the taxpayers get for uh, their money. And in, in this particular case, I haven't dug into the detailed analysis of that, but folks I've talked to that have indicated that it's a pretty good deal. Now, we could really get into the weeds about whether or not it ever makes sense for the public sector to provide these sorts of incentives, which primarily come in the form of, of tax abatements. And the thing to keep in mind there, it's it's not like you're, you're just giving uh, tax money away. In this case, it's tax revenue you otherwise would not have had because without the project uh, there, there is no creation of a thousand jobs there is no future property taxes and the like and you've got to you've also got to of course kind of handicap and, and assess the risk of a company like this shutting down after they receive and operate with these tax abatements the fees in lieu of and, and credits on payroll taxes or income taxes paid uh, by their employees, essentially. It's not payroll taxes, but it's income taxes they would have paid um, individually or, or then some portion of that is rebated back to the company uh, as essentially an incentive for hiring and retaining those, those people. There is a fairly comprehensive clawback provision. Um, I, I will have read that before next week. I apologize for not digging into that at this point but by that it just means if the company doesn't meet these thresholds there's clawback 
of these incentives, and I think those are pretty well defined and established thresholds um, and and just minimums that they must produce, which is just a way to protect the return on investment that is expected. So I think that's all good stuff, and I look forward to this this project, and I think we will benefit in ways that really are kind of hard to include in any sort of economic analysis. But that's the way it's done. And keep in mind that got all sorts of other states, all other states as well, that they have economic development organizations that have a broad array of incentive packages that they provide and they use to attract industry into their states. And it's it becomes a competitive situation at the state level. I would certainly rather see it orchestrated and utilized at the state level than I would at the federal level. I've got a lot more confidence, honestly, for the most part, with, with a few exceptions uh, in the state in administering these kinds of programs than I do at the federal government where they just take a life of their own and they never get followed up on. It's just it's harder to hold the federal government accountable. It's hard to understand all the details and and uh, act accordingly and, and block some of the corruption and the fraud and the abuse in this program. So I think overall we're in good shape. It's going to be a great project for Golden Triangle for the state of Mississippi. We're stepping aside for a break right here. When we come back, we've got Jerry Tony, chair of the Golden Triangle Development League. Stay with us. We're in the Element Well Studios at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. And now, and now, another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Hour two of midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at the Element Wealth Studios in Starkville, Mississippi today, the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. We've been talking about the big project coming to the Golden Triangle. Joining us now, Jerry Tony, the chair of the Golden Triangle Development Link. Jerry, thanks for coming on. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Big day, exciting news. You guys uh, got to be pretty pumped about this big project. Oh, incredibly the excited. Glad to have this out and glad to have it moving forward. So, yeah. Huge news for the state. Absolutely. So as chair of the board and, and uh, member of the board, uh, you guys have been working on this. I bet you had lots of discussions in executive session about this project. This project's gone on for almost a year now, yeah. and so a lot of uh, a lot of moving pieces. And as most projects like this go, they ebb and they flow. Yeah. Uh, so you get you get a lot of momentum, and then it slows down a little bit. Then all of a sudden, at a point, it it kicks into gear. And so uh, we're glad to see here at the end that it kicked into gear and kept going. So. Yeah. When did you find out, Jerry, that uh, they were coming? Uh, not long ago, actually, just okay. a uh, a short window of yeah. time ago. Yeah, so okay. we we knew that we had a deadline up pretty quick, and so uh, within the last few weeks, exciting. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, what was the difference maker? Do you think a lot of different factors uh, entered into the decision by the company to? Make this investment here? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different pieces that came into into it. Certainly having an existing presence here. Uh, certainly the willingness of the, the link to think outside the box. 
uh, when, when putting together the presentation, the package, and everything. I think with everybody coming together uh, behind the link, supporting it from a political standpoint, yeah. uh, all those things kind of play in. So it, it all kind of fell in together at, at, at once. Yeah. Uh, so were you pleased, obviously, and uh, were you surprised, maybe, is the, is the better uh, way to, to uh, phrase it, that the legislature acted so quickly. Yeah, yeah, great. I mean, and how do you not on a project like this? Sure. Uh, with everything behind it. So, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, so really, really excited to see it happen as quick as it did. Uh, yeah. Not have to go into uh, a couple of days of this. Uh, but, again, slam dunk. Uh, no, no reason not to support this for what this does for our whole state, the region, but the state as well. Absolutely. So a 1,000 uh, very high-paying jobs. I mean, typically – we get excited about projects as we should that um, uh, that uh, come come to an area that uh, pay say around the medium a median household income for the state we're we're pleased as punch with that, but this one just knocks the socks off of that. It's it's unusual. I'm not sure we've ever had a, a project that that is scheduled to hire that many people at that level of pay. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's incredibly exciting, especially at a time when you look at the national news and we keep hearing how the local the national economy is slowing. Uh, we keep hearing the recession word. We keep hearing of companies not expanding, not yeah. doing things. Yeah. Then you get this project. And not only do you get the projects, but you get the the the, the jobs at the the range that you mentioned. Yeah. For a state like ours, uh, South Southern state, uh, or anywhere uh, for that matter. I mean that that's that's a great great job. That's a great great position. Yeah. And this news, as you know, hits hits the newswire, the PR newswire, and it matriculates throughout the country. And and so you've got other potential suitors that are looking for a site, looking for a place to set up shop, expand into. They see this. And that sometimes will tip them Absolutely. in the direction. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, what, 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 what caused a company to, to land uh, in, in the Golden Triangle, uh, this big of a project, that many jobs, it's on the map now. People are watching. They're looking. Yeah. They're, they're, they're looking at what does the Golden Triangle have to offer now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's really, really cool stuff. So uh, what about the jobs? A thousand jobs, uh, there's no secret that, that labor is difficult uh, to come by. And it's very competitive, and it doesn't seem like, honestly, we got the jobs report out this morning. It doesn't seem like we've recovered from the shutdown of the economy in 2020 and, and somewhat into 21 with the COVID uh, situation. Are you concerned about, uh, is this company concerned about where are we going to get a 1,000 people? Of course, they got pretty good incentive uh, to hire people, which is the way the market ought to work. You know, they're, they're paying. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, th- I think certainly they will be able to hire the people. Yeah. And, and what we saw the last time when, when SDI came in, uh, they located, uh, and, and when you really look at a map of where the jobs are coming from, uh, it's not ju- it wasn't initially just here in the Golden Triangle. It was a pretty big draw. Uh, it went into some surrounding states. And, and what happens over a period of time is a lot of those people find out that, I like, I like this job. I like yeah. where I am. I like the area. And they move in, and mm-hmm. they migrate in. And I think that's one of the big things that we've got. You know, the jobs are, are a huge piece. All of those people won't choose to locate here on, on day one. Right. They'll slowly start working in. But yeah. I think we've got a lot to offer from a quality of life standpoint. Uh, you know, the partnership's big and into that as well. Uh, and so I, I think we'll see uh, we'll, we'll see the positions filled. Yeah, you know something else we're blessed with in the Golden Triangle uh, area are the education institutions as well. Absolutely. Yeah, when you look at what's what's there, but 
between what EMCC is doing at University and mm-hmm. you know the Lynx involvement there. When you look at Mississippi State, uh, MUW, uh, and so uh, no no question that will I think these uh, these industries are going to continue to lean on those those institutions. Uh, for for research and for other things, so I think it's a win win all the way around. Yeah, and it's top of mind. I I, I know you realize this working uh, with the link and economic development. It's the top of the list for every employer. Is where do we get qualified uh, workforce? Yeah. Where do we get the labor? And I think the the good news there from the Golden Triangle perspective, uh, uh, for sure, is uh, the willingness to accommodate that yeah. by the educational institutions. The university, for example, is just a great model that we ought to replicate across the whole state. Completely agree. Absolutely. I mean, the advanced the advanced training that's that's there from a manufacturing standpoint, the the custom tailored education that's there. Uh, yeah. I mean, for an industry like this, that's 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 that. That's meaningful uh, at a lot of different angles. Yeah, when the workers complete that training and they're ready to hit the streets running the day they're hired and they take that burden and expense and cost and just honestly the hassle off of the employer. It goes a long way. It's yeah, very we had, valuable. We had, a, we had a, uh, I guess it was two, three weeks ago, uh, a group of uh, children went to EMCC. And, and you, know, you saw busloads of, of all these small kids going out really kind of looking at what else is out there yeah. uh, from an advanced manufacturing standpoint. It's awesome. So uh, it seems like uh, once this happens, i got to believe we're going to see a little bit of a hub. Uh, sort of forming an economic hub because that's that's one of the things that uh, that Joe Max highlighted and needs to be highlighted is is all the customers that are likely to locate in the vicinity and they're going to be hiring lots yeah. of people as well and producing uh, economic activity and paying taxes etc. I mean it's just all that's the way you do it. Look at the impact of that and and not only the jobs that are coming in with this to your point the the feeder uh, institutions that are coming in uh, working suppliers and, and so forth. Uh, they're not only locating here, but they're going to sporting events or eating in restaurants in the Golden Absolutely. Triangle. They're spending money. They're paying property taxes. Uh, and so it tremendous impact uh, yeah. for, for the region. Well, it's a big day. It's a great day, uh, certainly for the state of Mississippi. And it, it's also it's good to see the private sector, the public sector, getting along here and, and working together towards the common good, yeah. which is really what, what we should uh, be doing. And uh, I was pleased that uh, all of our state leadership also was on the same page. You know, they put the politics aside and realized that this is something we got to do for the good of the state of Mississippi. And uh, they got it done. Yeah, how do you not say no to a project like this? I mean, it, it, it's a slam dunk all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you have so much to sell here in the Golden uh-huh. Triangle. Yeah. And Joe Max is a is a uh, an outstanding salesperson. He absolutely well. is. He's the best. Yeah, and he's he's often he's the first person they interact with from the area, as yeah. you well know. He and his team, and uh, he he has incredibly uh, perceptive attention to detail is what I would say about him, and that makes a difference when you're selling. He, Anybody in the sales business knows that. He does. He thinks outside of the box. He's incredibly creative. Uh, and, and and some of the things that Joe comes up with, I mean, we're we're always floored of you know just the ability to uh, to make things happen. He yeah. doesn't just sit and wait. He he he's an action guy. Yeah, it's awesome. Is there? Uh, I know a lot of times uh, in in your role uh, with the Link Board, 
you guys talk about economic development projects in executive session, which means they're not for public knowledge. Can you give us any information whatsoever about uh, some stuff you may be working on, at, at least at a high level, yeah. that you're permitted to disclose? Yeah. This project has consumed a lot of time. Uh, it truly has. There's a, there's a number of other projects that are that are still uh, kind of on the radar. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get back into some of that. You know, one of the things that, that isn't widely known is the amount of time that, that goes into a project. No doubt. Uh, behind the scenes, you can't talk about it you're, you're putting together all the packages you're doing all the behind the scenes work making the package just perfect like this one was uh, and then for whatever reason something outside of your control at any level the project goes somewhere else yeah uh and and so yeah, it, it's it's easy to 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 celebrate this this is this is fine uh we'll get back on on some of these other ones here pretty quickly and and get some more momentum yeah and i i know it's a. Uh... It's a win-lose kind of deal, and that's just the function of free markets. That's the way it works. It but you just got to pick yourself up and keep keep out, keep uh, going at it, and things just work out. Exciting times. Yeah. Jerry, thanks for coming on. Jerry Tony, chair of the Golden Triangle Development League. Appreciate it. Congratulations, Jerry. Thanks so much. Awesome thanks. job, you and the team, the board, and uh, Joe Max and his team as well. Thanks again. Yes, sir. Thanks. We're going to take a break right here. We're in the Element Well Studios, the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. When we return, Sid Salter, political analyst and chief communications officer and director of the Office of Public Affairs at Mississippi State University. Stay with us. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone to midday super talk mississippi at the greater starkville development partnership in starkville mississippi beautiful day little weather moving through i think it's going to be out of here in time for the football game here uh tomorrow at scottfield joining us now sid salter political analyst chief communications officer director of the office of public affairs at mississippi state university sid thanks for coming on always good to see you my friend my pleasure gerard thank you for being here we were just talking off the air i don't think we could have timed this event any better with the big news affecting the uh the local area here now uh, exciting uh it's it's great for the region it's great for mississippi state university great for startwell uh, but a real tribute not only to the economic developers, uh, but to uh, really the entire region. We, we've got uh, we've got the right airport. We've got the right transportation system. Uh, we've got the right developers that are uh, responsive, and we had political leadership uh, from the local level up to the. Uh, state and federal level that came together to uh, make this happen and and this is not just uh, news in mississippi this is news all over the country that's right mississippi state has uh, a role along with our uh, higher education partners there's workforce training available there's r&d available uh, and and all of these institutions have a role to play in it so uh, we're we're very excited as an institution about what this uh, does 
to improve uh, our future just as well as, as those who will be seeking and winning those $93,000 jobs. Absolutely. And, and we should uh, say in connection with that, great people in the area, and the company knows that. They absolutely know that. They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't make this investment if they were not confident in the quality of the people that will be working in those businesses. Well, the the bottom line, when you look at uh, companies that are in Mississippi, Raytheon, uh, others in the defense industry, uh, they don't come here for Moonlight and Magnolias. They come here <laughs> because they know people uh, can get the job done. They will perform at a high level. They will come in under budget and on time. And, and that is the bottom line. So, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier uh, in, in your last segment, uh, this will reverberate with other companies. They'll say, well, if Steel Dynamics uh, sees the worth of locating a major facility in Mississippi, maybe we ought to give that a thought, too. I, I guarantee you that that will be the case. It, it, because folks want to see other people dip their toes, so to speak, and then plunge into the water before they do. And when they say, hey, that worked out pretty well, and then they follow suit. I mean, that that happens over and over again. So. Uh, these kinds of projects are often springboards for future projects. No doubt. And I think that will happen here. So, And, and that's how the entire state uh, benefits because the next project that, that looks to locate Mississippi may, for a variety of reasons, look to a different area of the state, but it's still within the state. And I think we're blessed to have a government that's not so a state government, not anti-private sector. And, and the private sector knows that, and that plays a big role. You don't want to go locate in a state, and we're seeing a lot of that right now. We're seeing exoduses of businesses out of those states because the government's uh, got their heel on their neck, and it doesn't work. Uh, I agree. And I think one thing that also uh, flies under the radar in economic development is, is basic quality of life. Uh, we have... Uh, here in the Golden Triangle, particularly in Starkville, uh, we have an excellent public school system, uh, and there are other educational alternatives here. Uh, we have the benefit of a major research university, the the state's leading research university at Mississippi State, uh, and we have the cultural uh, nuances that come along with that. Yesterday, we cut the ribbon on a $21 million music building, something that has been a, a dream of Mississippi State students, faculty, and staff for a long time. And right now with that music building, with the Kent Seals Band Hall, and with the uh, uh, practice facility uh, for the band uh, behind it, we've got a complex for our students that are majoring in music or that are, are minoring in it and going into other disciplines that is competitive with any around the country. So uh, that will create uh, concerts, uh, opportunities for uh, people who are relocating to uh, be enriched culturally, and it all goes hand in hand. You make a great point. Quality of life is a big thing. I think that's come probably more in focus in business decisions of where to locate uh, of late than it has been because there there tends to be a big delta now between the uh, the level of quality of life as you look across the country and and we got something to really boast about i think here in the state of mississippi and and we should use that and we are uh, effectively in our economic development recruiting efforts uh, give us an update on mississippi state uh, other than this fantastic announcement 
about the music facility. What's well, going on? Uh, you know, obviously, uh, from the headlines, you know we're uh, involved in a, a search for a new athletic director after our uh, former director uh, took a similar position at Auburn. Dr. Keenum announced this morning the protocols for that uh, AD search. Uh, we've uh, we've identified a search firm that we'll be working with, uh, and Dr. Keenum said that uh, he's uh, he's done this uh, a couple of times now during his tenure, and that we won't uh, really detour much from the protocols we've used before. But the a national search is underway. Uh, we anticipate moving very purposely to fill that uh, position. Uh, we uh, we look forward to. Uh, uh, Auburn visiting us this weekend, and uh, uh, we uh, we have every intention of, uh, of greeting them accordingly. I got you. Did you guys have a heads up on this, Sid? Was this unexpected? Uh, not not particularly expected, but uh, when you have good people and they're doing good work, uh, there, there's always the opportunity. Sure. And of course, uh, we we wished uh, we wish John well. Uh, in his pursuits, uh, John and Nell were a uh, vibrant part of the community, the university community. We wish them well, uh, no animosity at all. But we're moving forward to uh, bring the type of leadership to our athletics department that our uh, our student athletes, uh, our friends and fans uh, deserve, and and we'll we'll do that sooner than later. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure you'll get somebody great. It's a great place to be, the AD. And you got a lot of good things going on in athletics here, too. Well, you know, uh, we've, we've found in, in Mississippi that we've, we've been in the right place at the right time. We've gone from sort of the Power Five to the Power Two. So uh, SEC AD jobs don't come open every day. We expect to have a very robust uh, list of candidates and uh, a lot of interest in the job so uh, we're we're moving forward uh, expeditiously yeah while we're on that uh, that subject the subject of athletics any thoughts you want to share about this whole nil stuff uh changing national landscape it's part of it uh uh, I have uh, I have mixed feelings as as somebody who uh, watched the process unfold, but you know regardless how you feel about it, it's part of the reality of yeah. it. And uh, it was interesting here. Part of the reaction to John's departure uh, was that uh, our NIL. Uh, subscribers basically to the collective uh, more than tripled it increased i saw that and, and so i think it did put a bright line on the role that nil uh, plays and will play moving forward i have every expectation that our uh, fan base is going to respond appropriately and uh, i i do think that uh NIL and the portal, uh, both of those things kind of go hand in hand. I think those are going to continue to evolve. And at some point, uh, I think uh, it will be in the halls of Congress as much as it will in the halls of the SEC. I think Senator Wicker has some legislation he's sponsoring to try right. to standardize that. Right. Why, and, why is the NCAA acting in that regard? Well, uh, Gerard, I, I think I will uh, – I'll keep that thought to myself. Uh, <laughs> Fair for, enough, because we want to get along with the uh, NCAA. <laughs> but but I will say this: uh, 
uh, part of the changing landscape of uh, intercollegiate athletics uh, is NIL and, and the portal. The other part is what role will the NCAA play moving forward? What role do the institutions want it and need it to play? Uh, and how do we uh, how do we incorporate these changes uh, moving forward? So I think that's part of it. Well, we'll be watching it carefully, as I'm sure you will as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, good luck on the game today. Uh, I'll say it, Hale State for the game tomorrow. You guys need to take on Auburn and bring home the victory on that one. Well, we, we appreciate your support. Thank you. <laughs> Sid Salter, political analyst, chief communications officer, director of the Office of Public Affairs here at Mississippi State University. We are in Starkville. The Greater Starkville Development Partnership will step aside for a break right here at 12.05. The mayor of Starkville, Lynn Sproul, joins us. Stay with us. Podcasts. Hey, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi Live from Starkville, Mississippi, at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership on this Friday, y'all. Pretty day up here today. Wind's starting to freshen a bit. That usually means that front's getting a little closer to us, I reckon, Rhinos. The rain coming in tonight, right? And uh, scheduled to to uh, pour down on us through the morning, I believe, and then the chances decrease as the day progresses tomorrow. And hopefully it'll be clear and no rain for the big game here tomorrow. Uh, what what timing is that when you think about it? you got the athletic director, John Cohen, in Mississippi State, uh, taking the job over at Auburn. And then I, I guess first football game under his watch, right, is against his former employer. Yeah, but it See, was reported that uh, he will not be in attendance. Why not? He will be watching from home. Huh? That don't make any sense. Like, you got something bigger you got to do? You, uh, uh, what? That doesn't make any sense. AD ought to be at every game. I think that's customary, is it not? Usually, I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Jeez, I didn't know that. Well, hmm. Hmm. Well, do you think the Mississippi State faithful will have a little additional energy as they entertain the visiting Auburn Tigers just because of the John Cohen situation? That is a distinct possibility. <laughs> well, I can tell you. I, re- <laughs> I remember, uh, it turns out it's r- related to the same school. I remember after Tommy Tuberville left, Ole Miss went to Auburn and I believe it was the very next year we played them at Jordan Hare Stadium in Auburn and beat them. And uh, Romero Miller, I remember the quarterback, and uh, threw a touchdown. And then I think a two-point conversion. I was actually down there in the end zone area in the visitor sections section watching that. 
Uh, and it, there was a bit more energy, I think, amongst the uh, the visitors for that situation. You, it's probably going to be the case, but that's all part of the fun, I think. We got the jobs report, little economic news, the jobs report out this morning, and it was better than expected. 261,000 jobs in October were added. The consensus expectation was 210,000. And by the way, September was revised. 315,000 was the number of jobs added. Original reports pegged it at 263. So the unemployment rate, however, ticked up only slightly by 0.1% from 3.6% to, uh, pardon me, from 3.5% to 3.7%, 0.2% increase. It was 0.1% above the expectation of 3.6. So it's 3.5 is the previous, 3.7 is the current. The expectation was in the middle, 3.6. So uh, hourly earnings up slightly, but only 4.7% on an annualized basis, and that essentially means with inflation at 8.2%, wages are not keeping up with inflation. So you've got less disposable income in general. The labor force participation rate ticked down from 62.3% to 62.2%. So what does all this mean? Well, on the heels of a 75-point uh, basis point increase in the Fed funds rate. Now it happened on Wednesday by Fed Chair Jerome Powell, which promptly tanked the market when once he started his remarks. It was bizarre to watch that 800-point swing in the space of about 30 minutes, right? So or less. So now we got this really better than expected jobs data. The market doesn't really know what to do with it. What this means, however, it signals to the Fed that they likely can and will continue with their hawkish posture on interest rates. That also props up the dollar. Well, propping up the dollar, it kind of has a good and a bad aspect to it. The bad aspect is that about 50% of the revenues, close to half, of the uh, S&P come from abroad. So with a stronger dollar... That means it's harder to sell um, for American companies to sell their products abroad. And when those dollars are, or, or the foreign currencies are converted to dollars, that's just a mo- more difficult uh, conversion. It just means their stuff's more expensive to people overseas. It means stuff to us should be less expensive because a dollar goes further. But all that figures into uh, the ec- expectations of profitability it's expected that profits would decline because overseas customers can't buy as much american goods hmm. all that's kind of at play here the market doesn't know what to do fed chair jerome powell likely to continue his interest rate hikes here's the thing that bothers me historically fed funds rate has to be at or around the inflation rate well, right now, we're roughly in the 4, 4.5% rate. Inflation's 8.2. You can kind of see the difference there, almost 4%. That means more hikes are on the way. Just means your credit card rates go up, your mortgage rates go up, stuff gets more expensive. 
And the goal of the Fed, of course, is uh, to uh, cause these job numbers to go in the other direction. They want to see people literally losing their jobs because they know that means there's less income, thus less demand, and that would have an impact on inflation. So it's gets a little wonky. I, I apologize for that. But that, that's what's going on that needs to be considered. This is going to affect your wallet. And I think it will play into the midterms. I think this report. Now, what you're going to see the president come out today is boast and brag about jobs as if he created them. And they simply will not admit and acknowledge, no, you're the one that in your party, honestly, especially at the local and state level, you instituted all these stupid COVID lockdowns, which caused people to lose their jobs. Now we're past the lockdowns. They're simply going back to work to get to where we were. You didn't create anything. Wasn't any policy on your part that stimulated folks going back to work. It's just that the businesses reopened essentially as a result of uh, having been uh, closed down during COVID. Just, just not being honest about it. But you watch. He'll tout it. He's going to tout this this number. He did address the nation, as you guys know, on Wednesday evening. And he called the midterms a defining moment for democracy and political violence and voter intimidation. Is anybody aware of any sort of threats of political violence and voter intimidation for the midterms? I mean, is there like a stand down and a staging of assets and resources to respond to such violence? And, and intimidation and threats. Have you seen or heard anything along those lines, Rhino? I, I mean, I just hadn't seen any states. Like, what are they doing? Deploying the National Guard at precincts or something? What What is he talking about here? I think it's because the left has convinced themselves that a nudist Berkeley activist, illegal immigrant from Canada, is somehow a far-right <laughs> lunatic radical. Uh, I see. Referring to... This deranged individual that uh, beat up Mr. Pelosi in his house with a hammer, of course. And, uh, yeah, they're trying to so desperately link that to MAGA Republicans, aren't they? It's, it's hilarious watching them do that. I don't think it's working. And this constant refrain of democracy is under attack. It's a choice between democracy and fascism. It's just horse hockey. What in the world are they talking about? When I see that, I just cringe, thinking, what the heck are you talking about? i I tell you what fascism is. It's an op-ed that your buddy Bunny Sanders wrote a couple of days ago. <laughs> I don't know if you caught this op-ed, but this op-ed is nothing but calling for fascism. It's It's all about... Income inequality and corporate greed. You know what greed is? Greed is somebody like Bernie Sanders and his cohorts in the Congress and the party thinking with much hubris and arrogance that they can actually overtake and control these companies in the, in the entire private sector and produce better outcomes for society than the markets. That's that's greed. Greed is when somebody like him that couldn't operate a lemonade stand says, oh, yeah, I can run the entire banking industry with my eyes closed. 
And he comes out and says, today we live in an economy in which the billionaires are getting much richer while working families fall further behind. Unbelievably, while 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, we now have more income and wealth inequality than we have ever had in the history of our company. Okay. First, I'm not sure that's true. I don't think it is. Second, well, okay, so what? what's the problem? The problem is you inserting government in the economy is holding people back, honestly. It's preventing, it's thwarting opportunity. We should celebrate those who have achieved the American dream and got wealthy by producing much wealth. We're coming right back with more. we got the mayor, Lynn Spruill, at 12.05. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you live from Starkville, Mississippi at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership, Gerard and Rhino. We've got uh, Mayor Lynn Spruill coming up next at 12.05. Stay with us through the break for that. Um, So we were just talking about Bernie Sanders' op-ed. And he is uh, he's, he's really going all out here uh, attacking the private sector. And it's I guess it's really not surprising, honestly, but I don't buy into the idea that some sort of corporate greed is the underlying cause of inflation. I'm not exactly sure what corporate greed is. I, I've always thought of greed as being, a state of coveting or acquiring something that was not rightfully earned, legally, lawfully, was not uh, rewarded as a result of producing societal value. That occurs when someone essentially takes something that is not rightfully theirs. That is what I consider to be greed. You may have a different view of it. But just because you aspire to or you uh, succeed at producing profit at any level there should be no threshold there should be no limit or you could make that same analogy and same juxtaposition to any endeavor in life how about grades in the classroom how about sporting events Uh, performing arts. I mean, just go down the list. Uh, Is it greed because every single time you tee it up, you want to win? You want to excel? You want to perform? It's no different business. I don't apologize for the fact that when I was in that role, I rose every day thinking about how to produce the most profit I could, maximizing profit. Now, the way the markets work is that doesn't mean you're greedy and you're and you're uh, exploiting others or doing something illegal or nefarious. No, in fact, it's quite the opposite. If you want to maximize profit, you got to treat people right. 
you got to deliver awesome, amazing customer service. You've got to deliver solutions and and quality experiences depending on your industry. Just to pick any industry. You you know what customers want, what they'll part with their money for. You do that, you get rewarded. You make a profit. And and smart businesses plow that back into their companies and keep producing more but and generate more profit. But uh, this, this, it just really galls me when we get someone in Congress who's never signed the front of a check, such as Bernie here. And by the way, he referred to this is something else that it's really just grinds my gears. He once again cites the inflation rate in Germany, in the UK, in Ireland. Who cares? That should not be, once again, that should not be the standard to which we aspire or how we measure. Our situation, it should never be against other countries, ever. They measure against us. We are the gold standard. And if we get to the point where we no longer believe that and we don't act and govern accordingly, then we're on the march to mediocrity. I I can't help once again, I know I've said this before and it bears repeating, when Donald Trump, one of the things I liked about him when he first went Overseas, and he was at the G7 summit with all the other Western nation leaders, the economic summit, and there was the the, uh, the camera was rolling, the media, and they were all walking, I think, between buildings there, and he was kind of just ended up in the in the back of the the group, and he kind of shouldered his way through everybody and got in the front. He should. This country is in the front. It should be. Honestly, without this country, their economic fortunes are different. Worse. I don't think they get that. Certainly the the left in this country doesn't seem to be. But here's what's worrisome. According to a recent study, nearly 54% of the people in this country think the rise in inflation is directly attributable to the astronomical increase in corporate profit margins. Perhaps they didn't check Amazon's and Microsoft's and Apple's profit last week, as an example. And a lot of other companies who are, uh, honestly, are, are, are missing their profit marks. It's true, the oil and gas industry is producing enormous profits. But you know what? Two years ago, when the government shut down the economy, they were losing their shirts. It's almost as if they think, well, they exist to benefit government. That's fascism. What if Exxon just said, we're shutting down. We're not, we're not producing any more oil and gas. We're fine. We're going to distribute all the money to the shareholders. Then what? Then there's no assets to, to seize, to control the way they want to. Just, just don't understand the basics of market economies. Time for a break here on Middays. we got Super Talk News, Fox News coming your way, and then the mayor of Starkville, Lynn Spruill. Stay with us. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, 
Welcome back, everyone. Hour three of Middays, live from Starkville, Mississippi. We're here for the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. We're right here, downtown Main Street, Starkville. Joining us now, the mayor of Starkville, Lynn Spruill. Mayor, thanks for coming on. Oh, wouldn't miss it for the world. Thank you for asking. And appreciate the Chamber of Commerce weather today. Isn't this perfect? Yeah. The leaves are turning. It's busy downtown. I love it. Yeah. Big week here. We've been talking to everybody about the uh, the announcement. Huge economic development project uh, coming to the area. you got to be excited. Oh, couldn't be. This has been a great week on multiple fronts, and that's the obviously the biggest one from a regional standpoint. But we've been cutting ribbons all week uh, at the Triangle Crossing, the new center that's opened up. And actually, I just got, um, I'll make this little announcement, I just got an email from MDEQ that we got approved for our first round of funding Okay, for the build. The, for the build grant uh which is off of 182 just down the hill there so we're really excited about that that's that matching funding that we were really looking forward to that's going to make a big difference in the community as well are you talking about the uh for the water project the ARPA, yeah yeah, yeah the ARPA it's money. water sewer and storm right. water and it's on the bill grant down downtown that's about uh 5.6 million dollars so awesome. we're really excited about that yeah so yeah we've talked about that quite a bit on the program this was a a program put together by the state uh, legislature in the 22 session where they carved out about 450 million dollars for water projects in municipalities and in counties and it's uh, allocated in the form of a matching program grant program where mm-hmm. cities match the dollars the state allocates and the deq was uh, put in charge of administering that program cities had to uh, municipalities had to submit uh, applications in accordance with the specifications, and then they sign off on that. So congratulations. You, Thank you. Yours went through, and you yeah. got a big chunk of money. And so I'm thinking that will allow you to likely uh, make some improvements on existing uh, systems and perhaps expand a little bit well, to accommodate growth. Yes. What what it's going to do for us, if if, uh, if you don't call you, and I talked about it a while back, yeah. the bill grant along 182, yeah. we got a big grant for it. Yep. It started out as an 80-20 match. It's now up to like a 50-50 match. Okay. So those overages are going to be taken care of in large part by this uh, matching funding for ARPA because those you. are huge water improvement, stormwater improvement, and uh, and sewer improvement projects down, down in there to make that corridor uh, more attractive for economic development yeah that is awesome uh so what else you got going on in starville other than this really big project you talking about going to ribbon cuttings that's always exciting i'm assuming that means you got new businesses we do we've got all kinds of businesses opening up and uh the castle properties and the rise partners uh created this with it and it was in partnership with the city and the county for a tiff for an economic development project that we haven't had in the city in uh in my certainly in my recent memory um but it's a large kind of uh not it's a big shopping center area. So we've got Aldi and, and Ulta and PetSmart and all those things, Marshalls, the things that we haven't had recently that uh, we're really excited about having because it keeps people in town rather than going out of town to do some of that shopping. Yeah. So uh, when you look at economic development projects, especially the size and scope of uh, the, this uh, aluminum fabricator, when, when they select an area, certainly there are a lot of factors that enter into that decision, in, including uh, logistics and power and, and site and uh, all those more physical-oriented 
uh, aspects, but quality of life is big too, is it not? It is, and I think that's what Startwell excels in. Uh, we have spent a good bit of our time, our energy, our money on creating a community where we want people to want to live. Um, obviously, you can't just have uh, residents, but you've got to have businesses that go with it to support it. But uh, part of that is the retail structure, the restaurants, the, the shopping, all of that is available here. And with the university here, you have a, a, a broad spectrum of interest and people in particular interested in uh, biking, walking paths, uh, just your general feel of a place that feels like home. Yeah. And we're trying to – we also have got a Main Street project coming up that's about a $10 million project to create a place where you can uh, sit outside with this wonderful Super Talk thing and watch the world go that by. That is awesome. Deep, deepen our sidewalks up and add landscaping and so lighting, that sort of thing. And, and you've also got great school system, great health care as well. Those, those are also uh, quality of life uh, assets. Absolutely. And, and those are the things there. people look at when sure. they plan on being somewhere for home and for long term. There are a lot of people who come to, to Mississippi State and think they're going to only be here a couple of years. And 20 years later, they look up and they're still here. And there's yeah. a reason for that. It's yeah. because they love living here. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I also think one of the things that uh, probably sealed the deal or certainly factored into the, the decision uh, of late with this big project is the quality of a higher ed, the community university, the community colleges, of course, Mississippi State, all uh, within just a few miles here. Absolutely. When I ran for election the first time, it was the, I want to make Startwell the best place to live, work, play and learn and learning is a big piece of that because we do we have an enormous uh capacity for learning uh institutions here with emcc the community and certainly the university as well as our public school system now we are consolidated public school system it is is really doing well what about the startwell development partnership where we are here today mayor how how critical are are they to the success uh, of uh, the city and and for economic development projects and bringing in uh, uh new companies new businesses, people in general? How, how, how important is that? Incredibly important. Well, it's a partnership. You can't do it without each one of these pieces coming into play, and the partnership is a big piece of that. Our downtown and how, we, how we're how we perceived and how we want to grow and develop is is critical, as, as are the outlying areas, and they embrace all of that. Yeah. So from the North Star Industrial Development Park up to the, you know, up to the north that we started, um, we're going to see movement in there. I'm hoping that this, this uh, aluminum plant will bring in some second-tier, third-tier uh, development for sure. that for that park and a part of that is what the partnership helps coordinate along with making sure our, our existing businesses understand that we think they're critical to our success as well we want to keep we want to keep the old happy and we want to bring in the new sure. <laughs> so it's a it. it's a broad spectrum of what you look at when you're when you're trying to keep people re- retention and attracting new ones when folks come into the area that, that are considering locating here either businesses or, or just individual residents maybe they're work brings them here or they're just looking to to uproot and and find a a better place to raise their family and they come here maybe it's their first time and 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 you interact with them or, or folks you know do what kind of reaction do the, do you get? Are they usually surprised at just how good it is? They are, and and, and how warm and friendly we are. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beauties of a small town. But we're also a, a understand that that greater inclusiveness. And I think that you know welcoming a stranger, not seeing a stranger actually, um, you know, being really excited to have new people in town. That's why we have events, and we encourage people to come to town. We want them to feel good. I mean, the murals that we've got going up, all the things that kind of give that sense of. Commitment community that people feel like this is a place they want to be yeah uh how are you doing financially 
We're doing very well. Um, we clearly, we're all municipalities, all everyone's challenged. Yeah. Um, but we've been very prudent with our with our finances we are doing a lot of big things but we're doing them wisely um we're not getting outside our capacity obviously a lot of the uh costs material costs and things with the things that we're doing as well as labor costs yeah you know we're probably going to be looking at another um increase in pay raises for our employees just to attract them and retain them it's it's very competitive out there right now and it's extremely difficult to do so we've got to do that and we've got to attract people who want to come in and and serve in some of these first responder capacities police and fire um we've been very good in getting things like engineers um, some of those skill sets but um it's a very competitive competitive race for all of us private sector public sector so but financially speaking i I think we're we're looking good but we are also the fifth lowest uh tax rate for the city okay um in the state for cities of our size so we are we are in good shape but that's not to say that i don't think we may find ourselves needing to do that just to keep up with those those competitive uh, labor costs and material costs sure I know that it's common for uh, folks in your position to talk to your peers uh, that that run other municipalities. What usually kind of evolves, Mayor, is is your biggest challenge if there is one that sticks out. Well, now that we're all out of COVID, we all we yeah. don't think we have any challenges yeah, anymore. Yeah. That was enough. Yeah, it was. It was a big one, and we and we stayed in touch on that because none of us had gone through that before. And you know, yeah. we want to make sure we weren't working across purposes with Columbus or or West Point or Clay County or any of those. So we were in touch about those things. But uh, right now, I think it's going to be uh, employees retention of our of our best assets which are our people yeah uh, i was at a symposium yesterday uh, a small business family business that just resonated across the board it's it's the big issue you know and, and folks are trying to get creative on how do you retain uh, good staff how do you attract new staff uh, it's just a really tight labor market and we got the jobs information out today and despite fed funds rate going up it still seemed to have a strong labor market mm-hmm. i think so, we do yeah yeah it's, it's amazing mayor congratulations on all the success here in uh, the city of starkville thanks for coming on appreciate it thanks for always giving me an opportunity to talk about starkville you got it mayor lynn Sproul has been our guest here we're at the greater starkville development partnership in starkville mississippi we're taking a break we'll be right back at twelve thirty-seven. we've got a uh, bart williams he's the senator represents uh, Choctaw, Montgomery, Octibahan, Webster County. Stay with us. To Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone to middays. 
Live in the Element Well Studios in Starkville, Mississippi, the Greater Starkville Development Partnership, big week up here in the Golden Triangle area. The big announcement, of course, the aluminum plant and uh, uh, the biocarbon facility is agreed to locate and expand in the area. The state legislature has passed a uh, comprehensive incentive package to seal the deal. So it's uh, good times up here in the Golden Triangle area. It's what, what we've been mostly talking about today, as we should. It's big news for the area. And folks are, uh, you can tell, they got a little spring in their step because it's it's good week. It's a good week, uh, I think, for the Golden Triangle area, for the city of Starkville, Columbus, and, and uh, of course, the state of Mississippi as well. On the ceasefire tax line, and no increased hostility, referring to departing athletic director John Cohen. Most of us are glad he's moving on. I've heard the same thing, honestly. Um, so from some of my state uh, folks, uh, friends uh, back at the house, have said the same thing. They weren't big fr- fans of John. I don't know that they ever said anything specifically, and I haven't really tracked it that closely, but I uh, appreciate the text. So well, there were a lot of people that got yeah. upset when he was first hired because they they hired a baseball coach to yeah. run the athletics department, and it it that's something you would see a lot in days past, like in the seventies uh, and eighties. That was still a pretty prevalent decision for schools to hire a coach to be the athletics director. But in recent history, athletics directors tend to be more managerial types from the business world or from politics, and very few of them had a history in coaching. No, so you had right. a I, pretty large contingent of state fans that were upset they didn't find somebody better. I think you're right. I mean, it, it's at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's a business, self-contained business unit. Uh, within the framework of the university that has a pretty sizable budget. And, of course, you're also in that role. You're you're dealing with uh, some high-powered, high-profile, highly compensated uh, employees, if you will, uh, that report to you, and that would be the head coaches, the head coaches of the various programs. And so you're right, Rhino. You've got to have exceptional interpersonal skills and management skills and you clearly need to understand finance and economics you need to understand sports to some extent as well i i would submit you could surround yourself with people that uh understand those nuances and dynamics and you could certainly learn that it's a whole lot easier than learning all these other things that are either inherent or that you've accumulated through your your lived experiences um so yeah, I, I can see where there'd be some objection to that, and, it, and it's, the money just gets bigger. It it does become more of, of a business and managerial and, and economic function. Totally agree with that. Jerry and Pontotoc says Biden said this week that it will take five to eight days to count all the votes before we know a winner. Same thing we heard in twenty. We are being set up again for another stolen election. I don't agree with that, uh, Jerry, but I, I, I appreciate it. And and so what's happening is. In Georgia, once again, that's a key race, and in Pennsylvania, and that's really what they're talking about. Anytime you have a brutally close race like that, statewide in particular, which I think we're going to have in both of those states, it does take a while. Now, there have been some concerns about the uh, the absentee votes, the mail-in votes, and don't forget this, our troops overseas, they get to vote as well, and they mail in their votes. 
and sometimes those come in late. And so different states have different laws about uh, what the deadline is to receive an absentee ballot. And uh, and there have been some, uh, I think in Pennsylvania, Rhino, you probably saw this, a Supreme Court ruling just this week, I believe, that was shocking to me that we even had, we needed a Supreme Court ruling that I think somebody uh, filed a lawsuit and got it to the Supreme Court. I'm talking about in Pennsylvania, by the way, the state Supreme Court, dealing with undated or, or improperly dated ballots or envelopes, I think, maybe, specifically. And then uh, there was another state that uh, I believe it was Wisconsin where the issue was the signatures. You know, you have typically on these mail-in ballots, you have an outer envelope, an inner envelope, and then the ballot in it. And different states, again, have different rules about uh, what has to be included, such as a witness and sometimes a notary uh, on the ballot itself. And then the signature has to extend across the flap of the envelope and just all sorts of um, uh, detailed rules and and policies that govern uh, these these mail-in ballots. But the good news is, both in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, uh, both of those rulings by the Supreme Courts, and uh, the exact details escape me a bit, but I think both of those uh, were met with uh, some degree of, of uh, positive response, certainly from the Republicans in those states, that it, it completely and in, in tremendously lessens the opportunity for some sort of uh, wrongdoing with respect to these these mail-in ballots and these absentee ballots as well, not just don't just have to be mail-in, but absentee ballots. So hopefully that'll be the case. But in these close elections like Georgia, I know we talked about this the other day. There's a libertarian candidate also on the ballot. Georgia law says that in a general election, unlike maybe all the other states, certainly most states, where whomever gets the most votes just outright doesn't have to be a majority of total votes 50 plus one situation but whoever gets the most wins in georgia you got to get 50 plus one even in a general election so if this libertarian candidate peels off enough votes such that neither of the uh, other two candidates the republican herschel walker the democrat uh warnock if they don't get 50 plus one as a result of uh, some some going to the libertarian candidate, they've got to have a runoff. And I think we're back to the same situation we had in 20 where that occurs after Christmas in January sometime. We won't know. And that could, that could literally mean that the balance of power and control in the Senate is once again hanging out for a couple of months. I hope that's not the case. Pennsylvania, I will say, and Georgia, the, the polls for what those are worth are looking better for the Republican candidates there, and maybe uh, they can prevail, and we'll know uh, pretty pretty quickly. Uh, I think some value of the polls, in, because even some of the left-leaning polling organizations are showing those candidates up, but some value there is if there is some sort of impropriety going on with respect to voting, if that is uh, in conflict with the polls, that should raise a red flag, and, and you've got to do some, some serious investigation in that, but... Uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic about Nevada. It's really looking good. But Arizona is a toss-up. New Hampshire now, that gap is closing. That is a bit of a toss-up. And we may know that, Rhino, pretty quick on Tuesday night. And if the Republican in that race prevails over the incumbent Democrat, Hassan, uh, look out, uh, Democrats, because I think that is going to indicate 
a really, really good night for the Republicans. Herschel on the ceasefire text line says, when are the body camera views going to be released for public viewing? I'm not sure what you're talking about, Herschel. Do you know, Rhino? Body cameras? Uh, about sure. the security cameras from the Pelosi house. Oh, oh, I got you. Got you. I don't know. That's a good question. On the ceasefire text line, Greed is a politician who has been in office for more than two terms. You know, I actually disagree with that. I mean, it, it's the people. I would say the people who voted for him are greedy. Why do the people keep voting for him? I, I mean, so they, they uh, again, uh, aspiring to stay in office is perfectly legal. Now, if our laws say you can't and you're term limited, that's different. But why do we keep electing them? It, it doesn't make any sense. I often hear a lot of people refer to term limits, and they never, generally speaking, don't refer to their own representative. They always refer to somebody else's. Um, but so I don't I don't consider that. I mean, that's not again, that's not acquiring or coveting something that you didn't earn. You did earn it. If you got voted in, you earned it. Corporate greed on the ceasefire tax line was and is maximizing profits by outsourcing jobs to other countries for cheap labor and killing most small towns and rural communities in America, along with severely crippling our manufacturing capability to a point we may never recover. Both parties sat idly by and, and let this happen for years. What what would you want to see happen? You want the government to step in and impose massive tariffs, for example, um, impose higher taxes on those corporations? You know who's benefited from that? The people, consumers. That's what kept the cost down. The, the main reason that most of these companies sought to locate and, and make things overseas because the, of the incredibly high cost of union labor to the point where if they if they uh, operated in the United States, they couldn't sell those products at a price that would even make the company producing them viable. It's not that's not greed. That's that's just responding to market conditions. The market is the best arbiter of those issues, not the government. And I can only assume you, in saying that the government sat by for years. You want the government to step in and dictate to these companies who they will hire, where they where they will locate their operations, how much they will pay people, that's socialism. That's fascism. Not for that. The problem is government invention screwed it all up. We're going to take a break right here. Bart Williams, senator from the area, is on next. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. back everyone to midday super talk mississippi live from main street starkville mississippi we're here at the greater starkville development partnership and joining us now bart williams a mississippi senator who represents district 15 that includes choctaw montgomery octibaha and webster counties thanks for coming on bart appreciate it man it's a big week up here 
It's been a big week. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yes, sir. So we've had uh, the mayor on, uh, and we've had Joe Max, and, of course, uh, Mr. Tony, the chair of the Golden Triangle Development Link. And uh, they're all beaming with pride, as they should be, because it's, uh, I think this is a game changer for the Golden Triangle area and uh, arguably the state of Mississippi as well. No doubt, no doubt. It is definitely a game changer. I was kind of reflecting on it since we went through the whirlwind of the week. It's kind of like we're becoming Pittsburgh South. If yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, analogy I made a while ago, you know, home runs are great, grand slams are great, but we just won the World Series. So this That's is awesome. just a tremendous accomplishment for uh, the state of Mississippi and especially for us here in the Golden Triangle. you got to be pleased that uh, the governor calls a special session uh, to uh, to deal with this, this situation. Yes, had to had to clean up some things and approve this incentive package, of course. And that went through uh, really on an uneventful basis. you got to be pleased that your colleagues – uh, in the Senate, and of course, over there on the House, uh, we're fully supportive of this for the most part. Absolutely. The Senate voted unanimously for the six-hour session to do this. Um, again, as I said a while ago, I was able to spend a lot of time with Joe Max and his crew Monday. I spent time with the Lieutenant Governor in his office Wednesday with a bunch of questions that we had. It was very well vetted, very well planned and thought out. I think I think the teams that MDA, the links, uh, leadership in the state, they all went through this with a fine-tooth comb. I mean, the details are there. It's just a very good piece of work. And, and I think that hopefully we as legislature showed the country and the world that you know we're we are open for business yeah. we're about recruiting good high-paying jobs to the state of mississippi and we'll do our part as a legislature to, to be involved in that and bring you here and i think something that may get overlooked a bit senator is that uh, this company and other companies are going to see that this was truly was a collaborative team effort uh, from the local municipal level all the way up to the state legislature and, and, and the governor's office uh, and, and, of course, the communities as well and the people to pull this thing off. Absolutely. And we've had talks since this has come about with um, you know the workforce development pieces and components of this. It's not that, okay, we've landed this guy and we're going to go to the next one. The support's going to be here. And then for those companies that are still here, uh, there's going to be a lot of support for them in making sure we make – take care of those companies as we continue to go forward and, and as you said it truly takes a village yeah no doubt about it well uh i'm proud of the way the state of mississippi worked together at all levels and all all factions uh to do something good uh, yes, for the state for the communities and for the state let's talk a little bit about uh the legislative session you had a very busy 2022 session is certainly one way to put it and uh, you're just a couple months away now from headed back down to the Capitol to get things started again. What's on, what's on the radar that you see coming up this year? Well, we've got several things coming up this year. Like like you said, been a paramount session that we just got through with in this special session. Um, it's been great to be part of a lot of that. We've still got um, a lot of money in the bank. We've got $350 million in ARPA money we need to talk about and what we need to do with it. I think that uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of that go in the ground, literally, um, our roads and bridges, you know, those we, we gave them about $230 extra million last year. Hopefully we'll do that again this year. We mm-hmm. still need that infrastructure. I think MDOT, under their new leadership, is doing an outstanding job at delivering. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're taking more money and delivering projects. If you're going throughout the state, you see them all over doing stuff. And I think that's tremendous. We still need uh, greater investment there. We've got a $1.4 billion surplus. Um, we probably allocated a little bit of that the other day towards this project that we did. But um, trying to be wise with the disbursement of those money. I think we've got some issues that are, uh, I don't know if they're going to be difficult, but they're going to be complicated. Uh, 
Senator uh, Boyd from up in Oxford. She's been working very, very hard and very diligently to deal on what um, things we need to do after the Dobbs decision. Mm-hmm. We've had a tremendous victory as conservatives in the uh, Dobbs decision in Washington, but as a result of that, there's going to be consequences that we should deal with, and I think that she and her committee have been doing um, a very diligent effort and will come to us in the legislature with some things that we need to do to deal with the aftermath of that. It's great stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, just uh, the protection of human life and the, and the decisions that have been made are great, but as those new human lives come in, how we deal with those, and we as a government, what our role in that and trying to take that responsibility that we need. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be front and, and center. You know, something that uh, didn't get accomplished last uh, session uh, that comes to mind, we, we couldn't get agreement between the two chambers, was on the citizen-initiated uh, ballot measure process, which, mm-hmm. of course, for the most part, has been nullified by the Supreme Court. Do you see that coming up again? It's been mentioned. I think there is a good opportunity that we'll see that come up. And, you know, I think as uh, uh, we do need to have a mechanism in place if uh, if we're going to have a, a leadership body that's being inept and uh, no way to circumvent that. So I think there's going to be some good conversation about that and the, and the proper way to do that. Uh, with it being said, I think uh, an initiative process, if done improperly, can be, a, can be a bad thing. I think there's some states that have done it in such a way. As I understand Alaska is having some concerns about the way yeah. it's, it's being dealt with there. So we want to do it right. Uh, we don't want to overanalyze to the point that we paralyze, but at the same time, we want to be thorough and complete in the legislation that we do. You know, in the two short years I've been there, I've found out we need to vet and we need to ask the questions. We need to look at who's done it wrong, who's done it right as we do it. So so um, I think we'll see something come this year. Yeah. Okay. I know a lot of folks are, are, are curious about that. Yes, that kind of was the, the sort of the, the hanging issue mm-hmm. that got tabled, if you will. I mean, it, it got a lot of traction. Bills were introduced and just couldn't get it across the finish line. Um, what about uh, this has been in the news quite a bit of late is uh, the health care economy in the state of Mississippi. Uh, lots of hospitals are expressing concerns about their bottom lines. In fact, some are actually losing money, uh, as you well know. And uh, this isn't something that's going away. Do you feel like that will be a topic of discussion in the legislature this year? Yes, sir, I do. In some preliminary conversations, it's already come up. I did spend some time with some of the uh, local hospital administrators that are in District 15 that I serve. And um, I will say that I think that hospitals in this district, um, they're not on the point of bankruptcy or anything of that nature. Um, financially challenging is a good way to put it for now. Something they can definitely live through, but something that's definitely not sustainable. So, Yes, there's definitely, um, if we're not in a crisis mode where if we don't change things or we don't do something, we're going to be there in short order. The leadership has expressed uh, the concern as well, and I think we'll see some conversation about that. I don't know what that answer is, yeah. but I think it will be a priority as we go into the session in 23. Yeah, and uh, last time I, I talked to Delbert, uh, the lieutenant governor, uh, and I don't think I'm talking out of school here. It was a private conversation. He indicated he didn't think Medicaid expansion, which is, is typically kind of the default, certainly from the Democrat position, that's what we got to do to fix the health care system. He didn't really feel like that uh, that was the answer, that that was the solution. It's what he shared with me. And uh, so I, I think it's a situation, honestly, Senator, where we just got to get all the brain power assembled in a room for however long it takes to just come up and think out of the box about how we can address this issue. I couldn't agree with you more. Medicaid expansion at best in this conversation is a Band-Aid. It may prolong the inevitable. I think we've got several dynamics happening. We have an industry that's changing. I think the business model has to change as we've evolved with technology. We have a lot more outpatient things that happen that, that 
takes a lot of revenue away from the hospital. So we've yeah. got to rethink how the revenue streams come into the hospital. So I think within the industry itself, there's a recreation of, of how they make money. The Mississippi Hospital Association, I've gone to them for information. They seem to have a lot of things together, you know, have a good continuity they with do. the hospitals throughout yeah. the state. Very, very impressed with their leadership. So you're exactly right. We need to get in the room with the uh, the industry leaders, the associations, the, the, the leadership, and um, find out a plan. And yeah. the way forward with it, absolutely. Well, it's not going away. Uh, we know that. And, and I know the lieutenant governor has, uh, uh, just in talking to him, um, serious concerns. I'm not saying that the governor and the speaker don't as well. I just had sure, to sure, talk sure. to them. I know I know they're aware of this. They're aware of this problem. And I'm on my side of the building. <laughs> I understand. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, something can come about. Uh, any, anything else that kind of crops up? It's an election year, of course, and, and sometimes that means a, a rather mild session. Well, there, there's I've heard that kind of addressed two ways. Yes, there may not be uh, controversial legislation. And I heard the comment is we got hired to go down there and do something. If it's controversial, let's do it. If we get fired, we get fired. I'm kind of that camp. I got hired to do something. Now, I haven't been through an election, a re-election cycle, right. so I probably should right. be a little cautious in making that statement. But You're running, aren't you? I am running. Okay. I am running. Yes, okay. I'm going to, um, like I say, it's a temp job. I don't even get the four-year tenure here. I got three. <laughs> but I am going to ask for the people to rehire me if they will. Uh like I say, I think with the surplus of capital we've got, um, trying to be good stewards of that and put that where we should, put it in infrastructure. Lieutenant Governor's been very animate, and, and, the, and the Speaker in the House as well. Put it in the ground. You know, we spent a lot of money on rural water uh, through the ARPA funds. We spent a lot of money um, in the municipalities. These things are generational and transformational. The Lieutenant Governor George, not mine, but that's true, and I think that's really good. It's something that's not, quote, sexy, but it's going to be here a long time after we're gone, and we need that money to go where it's going. I think the implementation of this program has been exceptional. So so making sure of that. Another thing I think that we, we, we once over, we didn't borrow any money last year. Right. And we're hopefully not going to borrow any money this year. That's six $700 million that we're not paying interest on. That's several million dollars a month to our general fund. So so I think these little steps physically move us more and more in, in a very good position. Yep. Ought to be an interesting session. Uh, Senator, we really appreciate you coming on. It's Senator honor, Williams, thank you very much. Congratulations to all the success here in the Golden Triangle as well. Glad to be part. Thank yes, you, sir. sir. We'll step aside for a break right here. we got the final segment coming up on Middays. We are in Starkville at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. Stay with us. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ah, yes, the flock of seagulls. You know, Rhino, when you think about 80s bands and music during the mullet days. Flock of Seagulls comes to mind, is it not? Yeah, they didn't necessarily have mullets, but they definitely had uh, they had a spike interesting hair, guess, hairstyles. <laughs> About a can of Aquanetta piece per day. I, I guess, yeah, I guess that's right. The band that had like the most mullets in one band uh, was Glass Tiger from the 80s from Canada. 
still look those guys up. They like all had the same hairdo. But you're right. I guess flock of seagulls really wasn't mullets, but it was kind of spiky, sprayed up. They kind of, I don't know, just kind of reminds me of the 80s. But we are back in Starkville, the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. Been a good day up here. And uh, also, shout out to Moe's Original Barbecue, uh, Rhino. I'm looking at it right here in the Greater Starkville Development Partnership office on Main Street in Starkville. And uh, I am going to partake in some of it when we are done with the show here today. Uh, I will pass on, folks. I had to, I had to um, endure the rather pleasing aroma of the barbecue since they brought it in about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> so I will be uh, ready to consume some of it. We appreciate uh, Mode's Original Barbecue for helping us out here uh, with the remote at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. Uh, so uh, on the C Spire text line, Carolyn Starkville says, Boy, is he right about things changing. What do, you, what do you mean by that? I hear you, uh, Carol. What do you mean by that exactly? What happened to all the COVID money that went to the hospitals? It didn't last very long, Jerry in, in Waynesboro asks. I mean, it really wasn't enough to cover uh, the expenses associated with running these operations. And in particular, if you, um, you hadn't been keeping up with that, the cost of nurses is astronomical and how that is like tripled since then because the demand went through the roof and um you know i'm hearing i'm hearing reports from friends in the in the um, hospital industry and in the medical uh even at the clinical level that you know nurses pays up 100 over 100 dollars an hour uh now for registered nurses they're just wow man unbelievable uh how that's changed things dramatically so, you know, what government can do about this issue, honestly, I'm not sure. And that's why I hesitated to say that, okay, here's what you need to do from a policy perspective. I do think that government could facilitate, perhaps lead, uh, again, convening a lot of the stakeholders across the spectrum of the industry uh, just to devise solutions which likely shouldn't and wouldn't come from government. Uh, but. I think they're somewhat limited in what they can do. One thing they can do is relax some of the insurance regulations so that we could um, entice more competition from carriers in the state. Uh, that You know about the big squabble going on right now between UMC and Blue Cross and and the, uh, the at least the somewhat th- of a threat coming from Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney against uh, Blue Cross and that they technically don't meet the standards to maintain a carrier, uh, pardon me, a provider network in the state without UMC, which is the only level one trauma center in the state. Maybe we need to get rid of the CON laws. I've been a proponent of that for a long time. Those are the certificate of need laws where basically the Department of Health has to give permission to uh, any entity that uh, seeks to open up a new clinic or a new hospital or add beds or buy certain pieces of equipment. There are all kinds of of control they have and authority they have over that. And you've got to submit these plans and proposals uh, for such acquisitions or such expansions, and and you're relying on the the, uh, Department of Health to approve those. So anyhow. Uh, we'll see what happens. Where my daughter's not making that, I, 
I don't know. So William in Greenville says that I'm only I'm only sharing anecdotally, uh, William, what um, has been shared with me from uh, folks that are hiring those people. But uh, you know, I, I would I would check that out, do a little research on that. And there's no question. I don't think there's any question whatsoever. I think most people understand this that the the uh, the, the wages, the compensation for nurses and nurse talent in general has jumped dramatically, has increased dramatically. After COVID, lots just left the profession. Rhino, have you heard uh, issues of that as well, examples of that as well, where folks that were in the nursing, were nurses for a long time, just said, I'm done. It's just, this wore me out. Yeah. It's, it's happening, big time. Anyhow, we uh, we had some other texts on the ceasefire text line. Sorry we didn't get to those today. I thought we had a really good show. I enjoy being up here in Starkville at the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. you got Auburn rolling into town for a big game at Scott Field on the campus of Mississippi State University tomorrow. Beautiful day up here. We're going to be back in the studios again on a Monday. Folks, have a great weekend. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.